Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Well, Larry Hughes is going to pop out and get the ball. Jordan's going to rub his man off of Leitner and then cut down the center and gets a nice pass from Larry Hughes. Welcome into this week's Believe in Wizards podcast. As always, I'm your host, Matt Moderno. Today, I'll be joined by Neil DeLal of Hoop District and the Sports Rabbi. Talk a little bit of Wizards basketball. But first, let's hear from our uh, trusty sponsor, BetOnline.ag. We're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all basketball and football betting action this season. So head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your bonus. For basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. All right, with that, let's get to our interview with Neil. All right, I'm joined here by Hoop District's Neil DeLal. Neil, thanks for coming in. Yeah, thanks for having me, Matt. Uh, all right, for everybody, I think we're just going to do kind of a state of the wizard so far, you know, only three games into the season, but just our kind of initial takeaways, uh, how we feel about the team, how things are looking, how we could look over the next, you know, five or six games, that sort of thing. Uh, obviously, we're coming coming in here right off uh, right off a tough loss to the Brooklyn Nets, one hundred four to ninety. The game was like basically over after the first quarter. It felt like <laughs> I just looked at last night as one of those games where like they got a little unlucky and they got some good looks, but things didn't drop. I just want to get your sense: should be you know should I be more worried about last night's game or was it just kind of a one of those nights? Yeah, and, you know, I think Chase Hughes kind of put it this well after the post game. You know, it's still one out of 82. It's hard to take any, you know, very long-term kind of diagnoses about a team from any single game, you know, that even more so against a championship, you know, contending type of team like Brooklyn. It was actually kind of interesting. You know, they kind of really almost got run out of the building early on. You know, you thought it might be, you know, all right, turn it off at halftime kind of thing. But you know, one Brooklyn kind of slowed down, you know, between Kevin Durant, not necessarily having his normal shooting night, the Wizards made a little bit of adjustments, but like you said, you know, they got down so big and then they weren't hitting any of their own shots, despite, you know, some decent looks. I think, you know, some of the threes that they were jacking up Wes Unseld would like them not to take, but in a night where you're not making shots and you get that big of a deficit early on, you know, that's a tough thing to try and come back from on the road. Yeah, it's just a tough rewatch because I went through some of it again this morning just, you know, uh, to, to prep for this a little bit. And I think like overall the defense was OK. And it just when it was bad, though, it was like really bad. And and I can't tell if that's 
them store, you know, sort of sorting through who should have been where based on the way, uh, you know, they're doing things this season compared to how they've done in past seasons. Like, I don't know how much of that is just sort of growing pains from, from trying to do a different, um, you know, a coach's style that, that they're putting in place here. What, what was your sense on, on the defense overall last night? Yeah. So, you know, overall, the first quarter was horrific defensively. They gave up 38 points in that first quarter, only give up an average of 22 the rest of the way. There was definitely a seemingly tense moment, you know, going into one of those timeouts first quarter, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie's like, come on, what do you want me to do? Kind of thing to Wes Unsell Jr. who kind of downplayed it when asked after the game. But clearly, you know, Wes was saying, look, we have two guys doing one coverage, three guys not on the same page, and that's going to be an easy bucket against a team like Brooklyn who can get up and down the court and, you know, really kill you in transition, which is what happened in the first quarter. There were, you know, some bad ISO ball takes on the offensive end leading to run out rebounds and, you know, Brooklyn's on their way if guys aren't getting back. So it really was, you know, glaringly bad in the first quarter. And then from there, they just couldn't get out of it. Yeah, I'll give them credit, though. Like they never got to single digits, but it never looked like they sort of packed it in. And, you know, maybe past year's teams, we, we might have seen uh, that, them kind of call it quits about, you know, halfway through that game. So uh, the next couple of games, they play Celtics, Hawks, Celtics, Hawks. Uh, that seems like a pretty uh, <laughs> tough stretch of, of four games here. The Celtics are only two and two so far. Hawks, I think, are two and one. Uh, what do you what do you see for them out of that sort of four game swing? Yeah, see, so, you know, they're very much a team in the, you know, the Eastern Conference at this point, it's very deep. You know, there's a lot of teams that are contending for a playoff spot, a lot of teams contending for the play-in tournament. You know, ideally for the Wizards, they would love to, you know, be in that top six seed area and not have to deal with the play-in tournament. You know, and that would obviously go a big, long way to trying to convince Bradley Beal to, you know, stay in D.C. long-term. So the Celtics and Hawks are, you know, in theory, two of those other top six teams that, you know, you're going to be lobbying and mm-hmm. for position for in the Eastern Conference. So it's definitely going to be an interesting test. You know, the Celtics are still working through their own, you know, first year head coach uh, as well. The Hawks, you know, have quite a bit of continuity um, from their deep run last season. So it'll be interesting. Two of them are on the road. Two of them are at home. Just as we've said, you know, with past Wizards teams, you know, they're capable of beating anybody any given night. They can do if they can stick to their philosophies on both ends of the court. You know, they can be competitive with just about anybody. Boston, you know, obviously has, you know, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, really two young stars in this league. You know, Atlanta, you got to deal with Trey Young and, you know, his very nice supporting cast around him. It's really just going to come down to, you know, can they get back to playing the type of basketball they did against Toronto? They played very good defense. They were moving the ball. And everything was clicking against Indiana defense wasn't so great against Brooklyn. The defense wasn't great early. And then the ball was sticking all night and ISO ball kind of things. So we'll have to see, you know, Bradley Beal is usually the type of player to, you know, bounce back after a tough game uh, that he had against Brooklyn. You know, I'm sure he'll, you know, want to put on a show in Boston against his good friend, uh, Jason Tatum. So we'll see. I think, I think they'll maybe split, you know, each of those games against Boston and Atlanta. over this next four game stretch. Yeah, I would be happy to walk out of that uh, swing with a two and two at this point. And, and just like you said, that those are the kind of guys that they want to be uh, in, in the same sort of uh, part of the standings as. So if, if they can kind of look respectable against both teams, hopefully that's 
that's a good sign for the rest of the year. Uh, you talked about the defense there a little bit. I just had a Spencer Dinwiddie quote I found interesting after the first game. Our defense was stifling. If we can limit our turnovers, we hold them to even less points. Defense has to be our calling card this season. That's what good teams do. I think all we heard all offseason, all preseason was defense, defense, defense. This is all we're working on. Two out of three games hasn't been so great. Uh, is is this them settling in or is this another season that we should be prepared to, to hope that they outscore guys? Yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't go to that far extreme. You know, I think, you know, we've also heard about defense being, you know, the main calling card of what the Wizards need to do to be successful throughout, you know, Scott Brooks's entire tenure. Sure. But I think, you know, West Lundfield Jr. has a lot more of schematic things that he's working on to make sure that the Wizards are a better defensive team than past years. You know, whether that's less switching, I think Wes had a good quote of, you can trust that the help is there, but don't rely on it. And so that's something that, you know, has bit them many a times, you know, in past seasons where they're just relying on the help, people are switching too late and boom, it's a bucket. So we'll see, you know, how the defense goes from here. I think there's still going to be some growing pains, you know, as they get caught up to speed with, you know, West Jr.'s philosophies. You know, obviously they still haven't even had the chance to throw Rui Hachimura in the mix, which unfortunately seems like it's going to, you know, drag out for a bit longer. But, you know, he was one of their main defensive stoppers uh, for the Wizards last season. And when you throw him into the mix with other good defenders like KCP, Kuzma, Dinwiddie's a decent defender, you know, that's really going to just help your overall defense uh, as a team. Uh, that was actually a perfect segue because my next question is, what does this team do when, when Rui Hachimura comes back? You know, you never – teams never like to kind of take us player starting spot away to an injury or, I, you know, this kind of situation, I guess. Um, do we see him reinserted into the starting lineup? Do we think because Kuzma's been reasonably solid, maybe they both start? Like, what's your sense for for how this plays out? Yeah, so, you know, I think that there are a lot of different um, – you know, possibilities that Wes can deal with. Uh, I think because Rui is going to be out for a bit longer than people might have expected, you know, who knows, it could be another month or more before he's really fully back in the lineup. You know, they could do something where, you know, he's back in very limited minutes and they bring him off the bench. Mm -hmm. At that point in time, Kyle Kuzma is going to have a decent, you know, sample size under his belt of saying, okay, I am a 15 point and 10 rebound a game, you know, guy. They need his rebounding for sure. Yeah. He's leading the team in rebounds right now, double digits in all three games so far. But Rui's always been the guy that, you know, Tommy Shepard at least has been like, this is our starter. You know, we drafted him for a reason. He's going to be our starter for a reason. He's going to be an all-star one day. And so, you know, later down the line, you know, two months from now, if when Rui Hachimura is, you know, fully healthy, fully conditioned, fully ready to go, you can see him go back into that, you know, starting power forward position and, Kuzma moving to a bench role where, you know, not unexpected. You don't wouldn't expect a player to say anything differently, but, you know, he says, oh, I'm comfortable, you know, either way. I don't necessarily see, you know, both of them starting because I think they'd really like Cantavius Caldwell Pope in that starting lineup to card, you know, opposing team's best player, best wing player, essentially. Um, so we'll see. It'll, it'll definitely be interesting for sure. But at the same time, Kyle Kuzma has a month plus more of run to make West have no choice but to continue to start him. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to drift into playing like armchair psychologist here or anything, but but for Rui, if you know, 
pressure, expectations, those kinds of things are, are, are part of the issue here. Maybe it's not a terrible thing for him to come off the bench and and be able to play against opposing teams uh, reserves as well. That might actually suit his skill set to be able to just have the ball and cook and, and you can allow him to be a little more aggressive if he's not out there with Beal, with Dinwiddie, with Gafford, all those other guys. So I, I think you put that perfectly. It'll be very kind of interesting to see that play out. My next question for you is going to be biggest uh, pleasant surprises so far. And for me, that's been Kuzma's rebounding. I just did not expect that in any way, shape or form that he would be a double digit rebounder three games into the year. Yeah. You know, that's definitely uh, one of the high points I would say, you know, definitely if you asked me this question before yesterday, I would have hundred percent said Montrez Harrell, you know, he <laughs> had a little, little bit of a so-so game against Brooklyn, which you know, after Twitter, he, you know, called himself out, you know, as, as David Aldridge said in, in third person, of course. Obviously, um, bro. So I, I think, you know, Montrez is going to, you know, provide that little bit of dog that, you know, this team does, that hasn't really had since, you know, say the Markeith Morris 2016-17, you know, death row DC, you know, Wizards. So I think that's, you know, definitely a much needed presence. You know, Russell Westbrook brought that last year in terms of you know, everybody knew you damn well bring it every single day. Otherwise, you're going to have a Hall of Famer, you know, screaming down your throat. So, you know, Trez has kind of been that guy. He's been a pleasant surprise, you know, being a backup center to Daniel Gafford. You know, he brought a lot of energy in the preseason, had some really good plays, you know, early on uh, this season. Granted, you know, his defense and pick and roll can sometimes be suspect, but, you know, that's going to happen, you know, a handful of times in today's NBA regardless. But, if he can continue to be, you know, that guy that really gets them going game in and game out and, you know, he might not have had it in, against Brooklyn, but if he has it, you know, 70 of the remaining, you know, 79 games this season, that's definitely going to take the Wizards a long way. The way he plays, he wins you those games in Toronto in January when, you know, nobody wants to be there and you don't want to leave the hotel and those things. Like, I, I think that's when you know, that kind of guy really propels your team uh, when, you know, you're playing a team that's below 500 and you feel like you should beat them. And that's to your point, like Wizards teams haven't really always had that. So uh, I think, yeah, that's a great call. Prior to last night's game, I also would have said how old Neto I, I tweeted the other day that I still kind of can't believe that they got him back on the deal that he got. I think most people seemed, um, you know, pleased by Neto's performance over the last uh, year and some change. Uh, how, how did they pull this off, Neil? I mean, like, he, he's yeah. good, objectively good, right? It, it, it's definitely very interesting. You know, essentially, Tommy Shepard fell in love with his game when he was watching, I don't know if it was a FIBA or a World Cup qualifying game or something, but he hit, you know, tough shot after tough shot for Brazil in one of the qualifying games that Tommy Shepard happened to be in the building for. And this was a few years ago. You know, I think he was probably, you know, on the Utah Jazz at that time. Um, it was funny to hear, you know, Kyle Kuzma, who went to, you know, University of Utah that said, oh, yeah, I would go to some of his games. He wouldn't get a lot of run. But when he did, I was like, oh, man, that guy can hoop. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, Tommy Shepard, you know, last offseason, you know, signed him to a veterans minimum deal. He ends up being, you know, a very fan favorite, very big favorite in the locker room as well. You know, Bradley Beal was always saying, oh, that's Wolfie. You know, that's yeah. my guy. For whatever reason, you know, I don't know if Neto didn't attract, you know, a more lucrative offer or if he was just maybe very content, you know, with another year in D.C., um, you know, as a as a veteran's minimum, you know, you make more than what you count against against the salary cap. So he's still making, you know, a nice little chunk of change. 
uh, Tommy had actually uh, introduced me to his agent at Summer League. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, nice guy, humble guy. You know, you can tell that, you know, maybe they just weren't really, you know, overly worried about, you know, getting a two-year, $10 million deal or whatever it might be. You know, maybe they'll look, you know, after this year, okay, let's see if, you know, things are a little bit more opened up with, you know, more money to spend when the salary cap kicks in and things like that. But, you know, for now, the Wizards are like, hell yeah, you know, we got a very solid, serviceable, you know, point guard, sometimes power forward um, that can, you know, really turn things up. He might have had a little bit of PTSD, though, as many times as Kevin Durant got switched on to him yesterday. Yeah, that was a little rough. So as a fan first here, I never know if it's like Stockholm Syndrome for me or not, where I was like so high on Neto and then I didn't see him get a better offer. So I was like, well... You know, did I overinflate, uh, <laughs> you know, his value as a player? But I think you you touched on something interesting there. It's not always just about money for these guys. If you're someone like Neto that's been buried on a bench in Utah and Philly and things like that, it, it, sometimes it's about situation. And if you've got a good role and opportunity here and you make decent money already, you probably just want somewhere where you can get out and hoop. And he's definitely going to continue to get run here if he looks like he did uh, in the Indiana game. Absolutely. Uh, all right. So that's our pleasant surprises. Any other sort of major takeaways so far from this team or, or the, actually we can go the other route here. Anything that's been disappointing to you so far? You know, I think it's a little bit too, you know, early to call anything. You know, obviously we've talked, you know, probably in depth about, you know, this is a lot of the depth and, you know, the most depth that the Wizards have had in who knows how long, mm-hmm. you know, they are legitimately, you know, once Ruby comes back, you know, one through 11 deep, one through 12 deep you know, guys like Corey Kispert, you know, might be out of the rotation, you know, if he just, you know, is the odd man out happens to be, you know, I think, you know, too early to tell, but I think Wizards Twitter, and especially is, you know, very much hoping that either Davis Bertans can, you know, turn it back up, or I think half of them are already ready to ship him out of town. You know, he had obviously had a really huge clutch shot, you know, against Indiana, but at the same time, you know, still a defensive liability at times, you know, says he's hundred percent healthy, says that, you know, the defense is going to be better this season, you know, when he's not, you know, being singled out into pick and rolls, but opposing teams are still going to do that, especially with, you know, better defenders around you that they don't want to go one-on-one against. Yeah, you know, he's still abu- going to be Harden abused him a couple of times last night. Well, yeah, he abuses he, everybody, I guess. So this this is true, but yeah, there was certainly a little bit of shake and bake, and boom, he's right by you. So we'll have to see. You know, obviously, you know, Tommy Shepard was a big believer, you know, in Davis. You know, he didn't trade him at the deadline two years ago. You know, he gave him a, you know, not four-year big money contract, even a five-year big money contract. Um, so one, it's gonna be a tough contract to move if and when they ever think, you know, it's time to sell. And right now his values you know, not Ben Simmons low, but down there. Yeah. I think this will be a really interesting year for us to figure out what Tommy Shepard's all about. Like obviously so far in his tenure, it's been sort of cleaning up, uh, you know, the, the mess he was dealt. Now we get to see, all right, how does he take a good team and turn it into a very good team or maybe even a great team fingers crossed. So what he can do with people like Bertans, is he willing to, uh, throw in the towel on a guy that he made a big commitment to if it doesn't seem like it works, things like that, uh, I think are always kind of interesting to to really understand what a GM's willing to do and or, or does he ride it out and just say, well, the money's already 
you know, out of our account here, like, let's see if he can contribute anything. So I, I think that'll be kind of interesting to see. And I have no sense for the answer to that based on what he's talked about so far. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously a lot is going to hinge on whether Bradley Beal decides to resign, you know, this upcoming summer or not. You know, I don't think he's going to sign on the dotted line at this point, you know, for any extension, you know, during the season where he can only sign for four years instead of, you know, five years like he can, you know, this summer. So it's going to all hinge on that, right? Like if he doesn't resign, you know, you're probably going into some kind of a rebuild, retool. You know, you hope that you get some kind of assets for him, you know, whether that's at the trade deadline or with the sign and trade in the summer, whatever it might be. But if he's not coming back, you have no reason not to continue to pay Bertans. Hopefully maybe he builds his stock back up because there's no way they're going to attach an asset to get rid of his money when you're not in a win now situation anyway. So a lot of it will hinge on that. You know, obviously if they could have gotten, you know, a Jeremy Grant type player and, you know, added Bertans to make the money work out, you probably have to attach, you know, either Denny or a pick, you know, in that kind of situation. But I don't think, you know, those opportunities have really presented themselves yet. You know, we'll, we'll see. It's, it's going to be a you know crazy few months up until the trade deadline. And we'll uh, see if Tommy Shepard has any other aces up his sleeve. Neil, you covered this team during the Ernie Grunfeld era as well. It, maybe this is just sort of my memory getting weird over the years here, but I feel like we heard from Ernie a lot more than we <laughs> hear from Tommy. Is that like, I don't think of GMs for teams. I feel like you see less stuff from, from Tommy out there than, than his typical counterparts. Does that seem fair to you? Uh, I don't know so much about that. Cause Ernie was, you know, very tight lipped, you know, rarely talked to the media type of person, you know, he would essentially, he would talk once at the draft and that might be it for any given season. Okay. Tommy definitely talked a lot more earlier in his mm-hmm. tenure. You know, I think this is now entering year three for him as the head of monumental basketball. You know, he, he talked, you know, half a dozen times a year easily for sure. But now, you know, maybe a little bit more reserved. I think the last time he's talking, you know, openly was, you know, before training camp, he talked, you know, before the draft, um, but definitely more infrequent, you know, he'll, he'll do a ESPN 980, you know, radio hit every now and again, you know, obviously Ted has, you know, big money tied up with them with the sponsorship this year uh, to air the team. So I, I would say er- Ernie was definitely an extreme, you know, and even when he did talk, it would be the most coach speak, you know, generic answers. You're not, not going to learn any- anything from it. Exactly. You're not getting any new information. Um, so it's definitely been a nice, you know, change of pace from that with Tommy, you know, much more approachable, but at the same time, you know, he's all about business. He's all about, you know, making sure that he has every advantage possible. Maybe I just remember Ernie's more because I was so infuriated by how little we actually learned from those opportunities. So <laughs> give, uh, give Tommy some credit there. Uh, all right. The last thing, just this has been my big takeaway from uh, preseason so far, uh, early season. This is like a likable group of guys and sitting through these media sessions, they're thoughtful answers. They're kind of funny. Like they obviously all seem to like have some amount of chip on their shoulder, which is is fun for fans. Uh, You know, you're the hardest working man in showbiz here. I I never see you not on one of these zoom calls. You're also one of only, I think two people on the G league draft call the other day. So kudos for that. Uh, 
you know, what, what's your takeaway on, on these guys, uh, you know, a month into things and, and hearing them talk? Yeah, you know, it's certainly, you know, a positive time of the year, you know, training camp, starting the season, everybody has a fresh slate, you know, everybody's happy, ready to get after it. And very much to your point, you know, they got a lot of cast of characters who, you know, are pretty interesting. You know, Spencer Dinwiddie is a, you know, pretty smart guy, you know, could have gone to Harvard, you know, very bright, intelligent, thinks differently, all into his, you know, cryptocurrency stuff. You know, I cracked up when, you know, I think Ava asked him, you know, media day, are you vaccinated? He was like, yes, nope, no, no drama over here. I started cracking up. There are, you know, a lot of guys that have chips on their shoulders, like you said, you know, Montrez Harold didn't get a lot of run last year with the Lakers. Mm-hmm. You know, he was coming off of a sixth man of the year performance and was essentially out of the rotation. He has a huge chip on his shoulder. You know, a lot of guys, Kyle Kuzma, you know, he still thinks that, you know, he can get back to his early form, you know, rookie uh, type season where, you know, he was had a lot more, you know, availability to him, you know, before LeBron James and Anthony Davis came to town. You know, Spencer Dinwiddie as well, you know, he's a guy coming off of injury, you know, he wanted people to put some respect on his name when somebody asked him, oh, are you comfortable taking those clutch shots? You know, he's like, okay, yeah, I'm not Dame or Steph, but, you know, last healthy season I had, I was, you know, up there as some of the most game winners, you know, in any given season. So it's definitely, you know, a lot of good, you know, cast of characters, you know, even Corey Kispert's, you know, pretty fun, likable guy. Um, So not too much to complain about. It's definitely an entertaining group to say the least. I think when the players are having fun, that is sort of not to get like cheesy sports guy here, but like that, that kind of projects like the fans, I think feel that. And, and, you know, just seeing uh, Harold and Beal do that uh, post game the other night, you know, like they were having fun together. Uh, it, it just seems noticeable. This is the honeymoon phase. We'll see how they look uh, in February or whatever, but Overall, Neil, I'm, I'm really excited about this team and this season. And I think at the very least, it'll be a fun team to cover and pay attention to. Any Anything else from, from you on, on sort of that overall front? Barring, you know, any major injuries, I hope uh, all the Wizards bet- betters out there hammered the uh, over on the 34.5 win total. Like, ooh, that, that's a little disrespectful. That's essentially saying they're not even going to be seven games under 500. So... Hope everybody uh, is going to, uh, what is it, William Hill, the Caesars Sportsbook next to Capital One Arena and placing those bets on the Wizards. Ted very much hopes that. I think that's the whole reason that uh, their over-under is so low that he can drag Wizards fans out to to bet on the team there. Yeah, Uh, for sure. Neil, where can uh, people find your work? Anything special you you got coming up or planned that that you want to tell folks about? Yeah, so uh, I've covered, you know, the Wizards for Hoop District for a long time now. Um, you know, rest in peace, our original Twitter account that Twitter decided, you know, they were going to suspend. But you can find us at Hoop underscore District. Um, also do some writing for uh, the Sports Rabbi, you know, covering a lot of Denny Avdia. You know, he has a lot of, you know, fans out there that are, you know, very excited to see him, you know, get more run um, than he currently has or previously has. So, and then you can find me uh, at Neil the Law 96 on Twitter as well. Awesome. Hey, thank you so much for the time. Keep up the great work. For anybody that doesn't know, Neil asks like genuinely the best questions in these media sessions. He used to put uh, Scott Brooks on the hot seat a little bit with some of them. So I, I definitely appreciated that. At least um, if not only from a journalistic perspective, but from a just pure uh, comedic value sometimes too. Right, so keep up the good work, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Matt.
All right. That was Neil DeWall. Obviously, uh, I appreciate Neil's work. I hope you guys check him out. And if you don't already, he's a great follow on Twitter, all that good stuff too. Just before we wrap today, I want to do a couple minutes here to the Wizards G League affiliate, the Capital City Go-Go. This past Saturday, uh, the G League held their draft. So the Wizards walked away with, with three draft picks. So with that, the training camp roster is is pretty much set. So I'm going to run down uh, some of the names here for you. Obviously, the the kind of key guys, you have your two-way contracts, Cassius Winston and Joel Yai. Uh, Jaime Eshenike, who played well for the Summer League team, is back. Jordan Goodwin from the Summer League team is back. Jordan Shackle played some time with the Wizards uh, during training camp and preseason. Uh, Devontae Shuler at Old Miss, he also spent, you know, a, a cup of coffee with the Wizards at the tail end of the preseason, didn't really get any run. Their three draft picks were Rodney Pryor from uh, from Georgetown. So if, you, uh, if you're a Georgetown fan locally, you probably remember him. I think he only spent one year with the Hoyas, but it was a pretty productive one year. Let's see. Uh, Ja'Kai Taylor is a, a Division II player at a Queens University, I want to say. It's either Queens College or Queens University. Don't kill me for that uh, if you're a Queens alum. But he's 6'7". They list him as a guard. I, here he plays sort of more of a physical forward type role. Jermaine Haley out of West Virginia. I know we've got some West Virginia fans locally. So just kind of some interesting names on there. And and then the one I think is most intriguing to me is Kyrie Walker, who we're going to try to get on the show here in the next couple of weeks. Kyrie is someone that was at one point, I think after his freshman season in high school, was the number one recruit in his class. And, and that's a class that included <laughs> included. Jalen Green, Scotty Barnes, uh, Jalen Suggs, you know, all, all those kinds of guys. So uh, if at any point he can kind of recapture some of that, uh, you know, magic that, that made him such a, a top um, underclassman prospect, I, I think that's huge. He opted not to go to college and work sort of a special training program. It's actually the guy that used to train Gilbert Arenas. The guy I think was like a former Navy SEAL, uh, you know, trainer. Uh, so hopefully put him through some rigorous workouts. I think Kyrie is sort of a six, six ish wing, uh, powerful athlete, that sort of thing. Hopefully has continued to improve the jump shot. I think that was sort of the, the hole in the game potentially previously, or at least, you know, has to continue expanding his range. So be interesting to see what Walker looks like. I'm really pro capital city go-go. If you've listened to the show over the last year, obviously we haven't had many go-go games to go to, but they're super fun. Uh, it's a really interesting look at, you know, what some of the future potential wizards might look like. And, and I think this is where teams, you know, really kind of excel over other teams is when they put successful use into their minor league system and, and find some gems and some diamonds in the rough. So it's, it's a cool opportunity to get a look at some of those guys and, and hopefully, you know, hopefully Tommy Shepard continues to take that seriously. Uh, obviously, if you look at this roster, you're going to notice that there's only one person with a C next to their name for position. That's Eshenike. So actually only two people listed as forwards, although some of those guys in the six, seven, six, eight realm are listed as guards for some reason. But this is an undersized group. I think they were probably banking on Jay Huff sticking around and joining the go-go. But I think this is ripe for Isaiah Todd to, to get assigned to the go-go and, and get a lot of minutes this year. It seems pretty obvious so far. He's not going to get a ton of run with the wizards just based on uh, the sort of forward glut that they have at the moment. So that's what Todd needs at the moment is, is just a lot of run against NBA ish level competition. So I, I think it'd be nice to see him 
you know, start and play heavy minutes for, for the go-go, at least, I don't know, let's say for the first half of the season, and then maybe we reevaluate. So their first game uh, is on either the fourth or the fifth. I meant to check that for this one, but I have not done that yet. But anyway, we'll, we'll see what uh, happens over the next week and a half here with training camp, who ends up on the final roster. They're probably still um, making some moves. If you haven't heard any interviews with her, I'm going to try to get her on as well. Amber Nichols, the GM for the go-go, really impressive, really interesting uh, to hear her kind of take and, and uh, ideas for the team and vision for the team. So I'm sure they're still, you know, working on some things and, and we can expect some, some other guys to, you know, get added into the mix here, but I think that's where we're at for right now. It'd be interesting to have one more sort of wizards related team to, to cover and talk about. So uh, we'll, we'll see how they look as always. We uh, love a review one way or the other. Um, you know, hopefully more stars than none is, is, is probably uh, favorable, but we'll, we'll take whatever we can get from you. Um, let us know what we can do better. Send us questions, all the good stuff. Uh, again, we'll take, uh, we'll take whatever we can get there in, in that front. Again, rate, review, subscribe, all the good stuff. Tell a friend. We appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you guys here in uh, another couple days, hopefully, with some more Wizards wins under our belt. Take care. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.